0: Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings podcast. It's been a week. A lot has happened. We've had derbies. we've had Modric, we've had Jao Felix. What a handsome guy who looked so unhappy in his Chelsea shirt. That's a caveat for later on in the pod. Um, Daniel's with us, Abdul and Lea's as well. Abdul, you're a debut on a pod. I feel like this debut is week on week on week on week. As always, the new person on the pod has, has to tell us a fun fact about themselves. Now, I'm going to just... For those that can't see Abdul, don't really know a great deal about him. I'm just going to describe him to you. He sat in, I believe, a flat behind a window, a mirror, a massive window on the other side. He sat in Canada. He's got these glasses that are definitely made out of 46 diamond carrot bowls. <laughs> um, nah. AirPods in. He, to me, he's a rich Arab guy. I'll tell you What's this.
1: In like? Ubed, if, if, he, if he's if got an apartment in Toronto, he's got to be rich, bro.
0: That's what I'm saying. He's got cash. <laughs> <laughs> um abdul uh how are you can you confirm I'm good, I'm good. uh your level of wealth and can you give us a fun fact
2: <laughs> my level of worth i have a pretty good job that's all <laughs> hey,
0: i love it so much uh, what is your fun fact for us
2: um i've lived in four different continents seven countries whoa Damn. yeah yeah Wh- what countries have you lived in I lived in well, Canada of course. Right now, uh, I've lived in Egypt. Egypt, I was where I was born, so that's the second. I lived in Syria. I lived in uh, UAE in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I lived in Qatar for a little bit, just one year for my dad. I lived in Italy as well, and I l- actually I wouldn't consider it living really, but I stayed six months in Germany.
1: Where's the oh. Where's the fourth continent? Was Am i it? dumb hold no, on africa so...
2: asia africa asia north america
0: and europe oh, okay. europe yeah he's right he's right um wow well that was a uh, i that's feel like, right. like we need to we should just do a bit of a um i do an hour long episode of find out why the hell were you in all these countries what were you doing there and what is going on
2: <laughs> my dad that's my dad he he kept switching jobs and well not like two two of them or three of them were the same company but they sent him out to sites where he had to build the network over there and then we moved with him
0: Shout out, uncle! Um, you have heard him. He do, he needs no intro. Leeds is back. How are
1: you, bro? Uh, I'm very good. More than you believe. You know, Man United <laughs> coming up a nice Darby win. You know how we do. Come on, man! More than hey, I, no, boys. Happy New Year! Yeah, happy New <laughs> Year! More than you believe. I'm so so happy. Man's <laughs> doing ten celebrations
0: in one. <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> brand new flat as well. Virgin Media Wi-Fi, two hundred meg speed. It's all kicking off in Leeds Yard.
1: Yes, sir. No more tech issues for me. <laughs> hey,
0: Shh. we don't guarantee anything with the Leeds on the pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Danielle, how are you feeling? You smash. I don't. Know. I just say your name and you start smashing the badge Like you've won the league. It's been nineteen league games, bro
3: listen this is the furthest we've been at this stage last season city were on the same points and uh I'll take that uh I'm not used to being up in these heady heights of top of the league this long normally we start the season top of the league on the first game and then very quickly we end up seventh um so I'm just happy man I'm just enjoying my life all
0: right i won't I won't crush that uh for those of you listening the way the reason why Danielle's was like sped up what he's saying is because he's got his mum's birthday uh actually right now, in all fairness, and he's hanging about on the pod trying to grind for it. So uh I do apologize for how enthusiastically quick this man is going to speak in the rest of this. Podcast. No
3: no, I'm gonna uh, listen, no behavior, no ratings podcast. I'm gonna give it to you guys nice and smooth. It's just that I was so excited, and actually there's actually nothing more to say. I am so happy to be an Arsenal fan right now. More than you believe. My, my team my team <laughs> my team's top of the league, City lost the derby. We slapped the boys at Spurs 2-0. That's good, man. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I feel enjoy, like we don't...
1: Enjoy the next week, honestly. You're happy for the next seven days or so, but just know we're
3: coming. Just know yeah, we packed that man, thing, listen, too. I can't wait for this bit here to be clipped. We and packed I'm... that thing, too, I so come along wait. these
1: ways. Who will get I
3: can't wait.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That is going to be a massive game, by the way. We're not going to talk about that game because we don't do previews, but that is going to be... And we might actually preview that game. I might even consider checking out a bonus episode because I feel like that game might be worth a preview. A bit of a tactical insight, something like that. I don't know. Um, we are going to talk about United in in brief. Uh, We are going to talk about Arsenal briefly. Uh, But we've got to start as Jao Felix, I feel. Comes on, well, actually started the game to be fair, looked quite bright and then gets sent off for a challenge after a transfer deal that makes just no sense whatsoever. Signing after signing a new deal for Atletico Madrid, Todd Bowley just basically wanted to roll out another extra signing that he doesn't really need. Um, Is that the worst debut you've ever seen? Abdul, you're new to the pod, so I'm going to start with you because I feel like... You look like a man who's researched a lot. We just did a recording. And I feel like you're looking at a screen all the time. It's like you scripted the pod without needing it to be scripted. <laughs> no,
2: I was just keeping track of the flop list. <laughs> I have the <laughs> document open. Uh, I don't know. It's, there's a, there's quite a few. I think we've touched on one of them that I had in mind. Uh, uh, Daniel was saying, uh, Javinho at Arsenal he had, a, he had a similar debut and where he got also like you know red card in it if, if I remember correctly after the hype he had that he was going to be the next best thing and then Arsenal fans were, were very excited about him but I for think me,
3: for me sorry go on sorry I got excited there yeah <laughs> for me. The, the, one... the clock's ticking baby no. now you like yo 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 I stopped, get, get him. <laughs> stop that. that stop that stop <laughs> that
2: the one that takes the cake though and actually this one I, I, n- I knew about it uh, recently which is uh, I, I think his name is Ali Dia or something like that Uedia, who tricked Sunis into, yeah. into getting him into the club <laughs> and then he was released two weeks ago I, this nothing can beat that for me like when I, when I, when I learned that I, I was dead.
0: I was, I... For, for those that are listening who don't know the story can you please tell us the story because it is hilarious.
2: Well, basically, he tricked... Graham Souness was the was the manager at the time of Southampton. And then he tricked Graham Souness to t- into thinking that he was the, the player of the year for, I think, the Senegal team or something like that. Not just
1: that. I yeah. think he told him he was George Weah's no, brother. Yeah, that, he told him he was his cousin. <laughs> he told him he no, was George Weah's that, cousin.
3: That, that's how he read that. That's, uh, I think that's how he read that. Not no, no, soon, soon, soon. Was no, it's Souness. It was Souness. That's Soonus, Southampton.
2: Soon. Wow. Yeah, 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 it was Souness. And and Souness believed him. He got him on board. He, he played the first match. And I think he also got a red card or he had a, like a terrible day nah, or something he, he, like that. he
1: brought him on, I think, at like 65 minutes and then took him off like 20 minutes later. Like he didn't finish <laughs> yeah, the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't finish the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I mean, I'm, weeks later, I, I mean, he was released. I
3: mean, for, is... that, for, for, that, for convincing someone to give you a Premier League appearance purely off of vibes and the fact that you're related to George Weyer... I think that makes it one of the best debuts of all time, personally. (laughs) Uh, As an Arsenal fan, I remember Lauren Koscielny coming in, and um, he had to be stretched off in the first half because he was injured. Anyway, somehow came back on in the second half and then managed to collect two yellow cards and got sent off. So uh, in both halves. Yeah, so uh, I would say that's pretty much up there as well.
1: I was going to say, I think I beat you both. I'm surprised you didn't say it. Jonathan Woodgate for Real Madrid. Debut, (laughs) own goal, red card. Good night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a.
3: yeah, that- it was a weird,
1: it was a weird transfer as well. It was a very mm-hmm. weird
0: transfer. Jonathan Woodgate going to we were talking about aesthetics on the other other episode that we recorded, which comes out Thursday. Uh, lovely plug there. I'm um, quite good at this. Um, and I think we spoke about aesthetics and him going to Madrid aesthetically was just wrong. Like I don't I have nothing against Jonathan Woodgate. He's apparently a lovely guy, but it was just a very strange transfer. I've I've um, heard him
3: I've heard him break down his transfer and his whole time at Madrid on a on a podcast um i don't know if we can mention another podcast but he was on there um and and <laughs> uh, apparently the real madrid hierarchy like loved him and wanted him for oh, wow. ages and they and they rated him very highly as in they rated him as someone that they were going to stand by and he was going to be their first choice center yeah, back. I think because he was really good in england yeah he was yeah. really good in england it's just yeah. injuries that like, killed Inju- injuries yeah. m- injuries murdered him but despite being injured for so long Madrid stood by him uh, yeah, big time. for the first, and,
2: for the I, first season. He
3: st- yeah, and actually, what I really enjoy about Woodgate's story, just as a little caveat, is just how much time he spent with the Brazilians. He said that, <laughs> he said that all, most of his time at Madrid was spent having dinner with Ophanomeno and Roberto Carlos. And I was like, <laughs> what a life. Jonathan Woodgate from Middlesbrough. <laughs> Amazing.
0: What a geezer, man. Um, yeah, Jonathan Woodgate. What a throwback. Uh, Jao Felix, very quickly. Very weird transfer. I don't think I've spoken to any of you since the transfer. I might have spoken to Danielle about the transfer. Um, very weird that he went to Chelsea. Very weird that he gets sent off in his first game. Very weird that he's going back to Atletico Madrid. Very weird he signed a new deal. <laughs> very weird that Chelsea are paying 11 million and choosing to pay him 300 grand a week. It's a lot wrong with this transfer, isn't it?
3: Well, especially because when you're talking about needs must, they really don't need a player like that. Maybe yeah. they Maybe they need a replacement for that type of player but I would assume that you would use Kai Havertz in the same way that you're trying to use Jao Felix and um it's just a bit weird that where Arsenal were heavily linked with Jao Felix and Chelsea woke up and all of a sudden signed him and then Arsenal and Mudrik were like flirting and texting each other late at night and then uh what's it called Chelsea just went on tinder swiped right and got the job done do you know what I mean it's just a bit it's just a bit weird, especially when do they need that? But They don't need it, but they're still going for it. It's very Todd Bowley.
2: Mm. It's very an owner who has just a lot of money, doesn't know what they're doing. So he's looking at the recruitment style of another club and just cheating off of that. That's what <laughs> it looks like. It's so weird. I feel like
0: we're going to talk about Modric, but I feel like Arsenal did all the scouting for Felix and Modric, and Todd Bowley just saw Fabricio Romano tweet and he went, "Yo, yo, is anyone in Madrid? Yeah, yeah, come, just pick that Felix kid up, bring him to bring him to London. I'm going to sign him." The and money. they just went, "Yeah, sick. You got the cash? Yeah, yeah. It's just in the back of a van. Don't worry, I'll just get it <laughs> <you> delivered tomorrow." <laughs> Bowley so, honestly, so
1: he, he saw Barcelona this whole summer, basically like. You guys ever seen that Mr. Bean meme where it's just like him looking over? I his was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Barça did that all summer to him: Rafinha, Kunde, all those guys. Dembele, and then basically he's like, I, I, "I can do that too." And now everyone that Arsenal wants, he goes and gets them because I think João Felix at Arsenal would have been unbelievable. I think at oh. United he would have been unbelievable. I think at Chelsea he himself will be good, but I agree with you guys; he is not exactly the player that the, the kind of profile that Chelsea needs in that team. I look at
2: it this way. I think if they play him where they play Kai Havertz, they'll get a lot more out of him and out of the team yeah. than with with Kai Havertz in the team. I
3: was I was surprised by his pace. I'm not used to seeing him passing and running full pelt no. down the left-hand side mm. because Atletico, that just wasn't his game. But I was very surprised by that. It's just that Mason Mount never returned that pass to him. Oof. But, uh, I mean, off, off that one give-and-go I saw, I was like, hmm. He's great.
1: Okay. I think he's a great talent, man. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Joe Felix,
0: top player. Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to say Mason Mount feels like he's playing with a cap on at the moment. He can't look up; like literally, <laughs> just cannot look up. Um, he's probably struggling at the moment, and I love Mason Mount. Um, I also just want to very quickly say, this uh, pod is not about Mr. Bean or comedians, but Rowan Atkinson's a racist, so we do not, we do not support Rowan Atkinson on this podcast. I didn't know that. I just uh,
1: thought Mr. Bean's jokes. So
3: wait, wait, listen, <laughs> don't wait, my boy Rowan's
0: yeah man I was the same That's i, I grew up on I grew up on Mr Bean yeah right Every, everyone who's listening to the pod has gone, oh oh no Every, everyone's collectively devastated But yeah google Rowan atkinson oh, racist wow. he's a he's a racist so mm-hmm. um yeah, Rowan listen, you will not get an invite on the pod
3: um wow listen if, 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 the, if you've ever had a reason to listen to the no ratings podcast this is it where this else? is it man which other football <laughs> podcasts are you going to get that sort of information from? You know I mean? there you go Sensation. um I, think I just found out santa's real man that, this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> Look this
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um i'll do another topic from the weekend um bruno fernandez's goal offside or not that's all i'm gonna say it's before not we talk about United. it's not it's not offside
3: yeah no it's not no it is are we just oh, oh, wait, you, wait wait do you guys pay tax yeah all right, give it, yeah all, all of you say yes please yeah we're, <laughs> so if, if you pay tax like I don't agree with paying tax but I realize that it's the letter of the law therefore I pay the tax because that's just the law right so exactly so the the two rules I remember writing this down because the actual pundits read this out from the pogma ball or whatever the rules are give me one second.
2: Oh, please, please go ahead. So the, the two rules are in a situation where a player moving from or standing in an offside position is in the way of an opponent or interferes with the movement of the opponent towards the ball, this is an offside offense. If it impacts the ability, on the ability of the opponent to play or challenge for the ball, if the player moves in the way of an opponent or an, and impedes the opponent's progress, example, blocks the opponent, the offense should be penalized under the law, law 12. A player in an offside position is moving towards the ball with the intention of playing the ball and is fouled before playing or attempting the ball or or challenging an opponent for the ball. The foul is penalized and it has occurred in an offside
3: offense. Guys, I can't lie. Guys, I I, I lost all of that anyway. But the main point was, guys, trust me, he was running. So he didn't enter a Kanji's line of vision. He was already there. Akanji, I can't lie, wasn't sprinting back long enough for me to really think he was going to get the ball. And Kyle Walker wasn't going to get around Bruno Fernandes. So either way, the keeper should have sprinted out and cleaned someone out. He didn't. Rashford didn't touch it whilst also sprinting. So I think Rashford's a genius for that. And Bruno Fernandes slapped it in, bro. And listen, I hate it. I hate United. I wish United nothing but the worst. But, bro... <laughs> It, it is what it is, it just follows. I was the gonna rules. say,
1: bro. I think Bruno is the genius. To be honest with you, I think Rashford was Rashford for me should have just like stopped running completely. I think like he w- he was very intent on. Uh, he, I think he might have touched yeah. that, but he didn't see Bruno there. I think Bruno is the one who was alert enough to realize that the play was still active. It was live. The referee hadn't blown everything. Be still on top top of that. Run to the referee. I think Bruno, I always say Bruno makes like brain dead decisions in games, but I think his footballing IQ is actually quite high. Like he's probably Mm. the only player on United that I would bank on doing that kind of thing.
3: Oh, and for me as well, I I actually, I think you're taking away the credit from Marcus Rashford. I think he knew exactly that he was offside. he knew he was offside. Yeah, he knew uh, it. but just in case, I think he continued the vibe because every other player in the world would have touched that ball at least three times. He basically continued sprinting, but refused to touch the ball. Like I actually think athletically that is so impressive. Like How did he not touch the ball? And then he left enough space for Bruno to bin it. So for me, like everyone can cry, but if they're given the decision everyone like everyone's happy with it and if you're if it's given a uh, for yeah. a team that you don't like then you've got a problem with it. A, it happened for you San...
1: Danielle, a few seasons ago in the FA Cup with Alexis Sanchez against Chelsea?
3: Um I pref- I prefer not to- I prefer not for Ars- to f- I p- No, prefer yeah, not- a few seasons in tw- ago in no, tw- 2017 when we slapped up Chelsea at Wembley. Yeah. yeah, do you remember that one? I think it was yeah, Ramsey yeah, yeah. who was in an yeah. offside position, he just Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. basically um Sanchez chested the ball, it went over. Ramsey turned almost as if to take a shot but then Sanchez just ran straight past him. Ramsey put his hands up. Sanchez outside of the foot. Chelsea in the mud. Let's go. But like but, the,
2: the, the the rules for um impeding play while being in the offside position were they changed after that or not? I don't remember. Yeah, no uh,
3: no well from what I read on on famous Twitter the 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 complete source of reliable news there was a there was a tweet that said that the rule was in place at this time. So it did say that but, that rule. Like was... as a United uh, fan
2: I'm absolutely happy it it stood of course but like if I was being fair and I'm I'm like I'm just putting myself in the position of like being objective and neutral um I think the way Rashford ran and tried to shield the ball in a way you know uh, I just don't think Akanji I just made, don't
3: think Akanji was getting that
2: ball No it's not about Akanji it's about uh, Ederson's decision making it affected his mm. Ederson Put him off yeah, it put him off. Okay, because as if, in if, he's yeah. If he's Rashford waiting.
3: He's waiting for the keeper. Is he waiting for the ref to blow the whistle, or
2: waiting for Rashford to make a shot, or waiting for, because he doesn't know he's offside, right? So it like if you took the screenshot or at least the the, the camera from Ederson's angle, like Rashford is coming towards him and Bruno Fernandes coming towards him, he's actually focused on Rashford, not Bruno yeah. Fernandes, because the ball is in front of Rashford and Rashford is running towards him with the
3: ball. Ahead, yeah, but that, that's just him misreading the game then because if Rashford was onside let's say yeah but, and took another touch and Bruno took the shot off him and scored but the presence
2: then... of Rashford made him misread it it impeded yeah. the play it affected the play it affected his decision making mm. so uh, by that notion the rule stands so he's, it's it's an offside goal now if you ask me as a United fan no it's not <laughs> I'm happy the goal stood yeah. <laughs> so yeah I I, I
0: think this is a weird one, right? Because it happened in the Wolves-Liverpool game where Salah scored. You know where the Wolves defender went up to head the ball clear because mm. Salah was behind him. If Salah's not there, the Wolves player doesn't head the ball. He lets it go to the keeper. Yeah. Um, or he doesn't. He just, he just moves out of the way, basically. Yeah. Goes to Salah. Salah's now offside. You don't make the... In, it's in the same respect with the City United goal. Edison and Akanji and Walker, if they are defending against Bruno Fernandes in that situation, they react quicker. Because Rashford is in an offside position, in a position where he's involved in play, Akanji, Edison, and Walker are now making decisions based on Rashford's decision. Sure, sure. Bruno then comes into the picture later and scores the goal. Bruno is full on genius for this bit of play; like it's actually genius. Um, but I don't. If Rashford isn't existent in that picture, City deal with that situation. Or even because Edison Rashford, comes
2: out and shoots it, shoots it himself.
0: Yeah. And I think also there's a close-up of Rashford almost like moving his left foot towards the ball until Bruno, you can see, screaming and going, no. brother, get the F out of the yeah. way. You have no idea that you're <laughs> offside. Um, so I think I hate the rule personally. Like by the by the rule book, it's onside, I think, just about. But then by the rule book, so is Salah's. But then all, you, all you'd always have to do as an attacker is just hide behind the defender in an offside position because defenders are always unsure whether the flags are going to go up because they... Like the Wolves defender, for example, couldn't see across the line because obviously he's defending on the on the line of the ball. Uh, in a Kanji situation, he sees across the line, but only as far as Rashford and I think Aki maybe was next to him. It, strikers could just go and stand behind defenders, arms folded, and just let the ball come into the box every two minutes. Defender will have to eventually try and defend it and it might hit a leg or hit wherever and land at the striker's feet. And Like Salah's goal is offside. But it's, I think of yeah, it also it, this way. Like... I guess
1: we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you waited two minutes to do that.
3: <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't lie. It's way too early for me to speak. But listen, we're top of the league. What can I say? But I would love it if somehow the reason we ended up winning the league was Because it's because like Bruno Fernandes won us the league. Like that would be sensational <laughs> I'll, I'll take. Know, I'll take Leahs out for dinner. You were. I'm <laughs> holding <what are> you. <laughs> you were <saying>? on the <laughs> clip. This you were on the pod. <laughs>
0: uh, Danielle, you were on the pod when we were chatting about Rashford's resurrection like two weeks ago. And um you said uh, I love it more than anything in the world. United are now like potentially title contenders. Mm. Do you still love it more than anything in the world? Well I, I don't
3: remember saying that they were potential title contenders, but I did say that Rashford the Rashford Remontado is one of my favourite stories in football because what he went through at the Euros was so impactful on him in the in in, in last season and it was so it was almost unfair. You know, like how life is unfair sometimes Rashford wasn't the type of guy that deserved to go through the season. He went through last season yeah. and it feels like he's just had an epiphany and he's back and listen, man, watching Rashford play whenever, when Rashford scores, like if you're, if, if you're a man, if you're a real G, you love it, do you know what I mean? Like I can't hate on Rashford, and I love. I'll see you next week, then.
1: You, you better you better keep that same energy next <laughs> hey, week, listen, then. Listen, listen. No, no, I said when
3: Rashford scores, but he's not going to do that. at The Emirates, <laughs> is he? So uh, do you know, like for me, for me, I love, I love Rashford's resurrection. I actually love United's resurrection, and I loved when Ten Hag said, "If he said, you know,
0: when- no, no, this is, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but this is because you're top of the league." If no. they were within three or four points, you are hating this resolution. No, no, no,
3: no. I, honestly, I'm not. Honestly, I'm not because I'm still scared of City. I still believe City have the ability to go on a ten game winning streak. I don't think United. But well, that's, no, that's
1: what I'm saying. That's what It's because it, you don't consider them as title. No, well, I mean, we're, we're, not not title we're not title contenders. We're not title contenders. This is a great result. For yeah. top four. We're still focused on top but, four. But, but, T- title contenders, that's Arsenal and City,
3: man. We're just doing our thing, bro. One uh, chill, game at a time. We're uh, good. Chill, chill. Stop, stop trying to... No, nah, no. Nah, all the pressure's on you, though. bro. But
1: this is so a huge fun. result. One step closer to securing top four.
3: Rest... For, for me, for me, I loved what Ten Hag Rob said. think he's
1: Ten Hag. So, Man thinks he's Ten Hag. He sat here cal- like like the players are sat here listening to Leah
0: saying it's time to calm down. No, I don't no, want but, him to get no, too guests. That's why. <laughs>
3: no, but Ten Ten Hag said didn't he? Ten Hag said that you know yes. I know Man City and Liverpool have dominated this league. I know they've done incredibly well to rewrite history, but they said errors must come to an end. Bro, mm. I was like, i do you know the do you know the Undertaker's gong like that? That <laughs> when, when he no. said that when he said errors must come to an end, I was like, Ding! oh my god, like. I, I love it, bro. If when old when old Trafford's bouncing, it's even sweeter when they end up not king. Let's, top let's be
1: real, man. United versus Arsenal, that's that's an all-time great English yeah, English yeah. Uh, rivalry right yeah, there. No we I mean, haven't had not, both no. those teams at the top for how long now? 15 yeah. 20 years, bro? It's crazy. So I mean no, no, no one
3: pa- no one pays their subscription for city liverpool, do they, do Pep and we I think I told Nubay this before this anyway, That's the yeah, most overrated is. rivalry
1: of all time. Pep and Klopp <laughs> high-fiving each other. Listen, I see, you, bro. see hey, you big bro i'm trying try to be like you
3: g i'm trying to be like you
1: <laughs> i'm trying to be like you my guy get out of there man bro.
0: i think rivalry we spoke about this on the pod that time rivalry is a word i wouldn't use to describe this uh liverpool city battle if you like but it depends on how you take the word rivalry i take the word rivalry from like um games in the past where both teams want to win and tackles are flying in and cards are coming out. If you think about rivalry in terms of quality of football, City and Liverpool's quality of football is better than any rivalry the Premier League ever seen. Which is
1: definitely why you guys have one Premier League title and they have four. Def- yeah, yeah, definitely Ow. in terms of quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. yeah. for definitely that, very level
3: yeah, 100%. I got you. No, yeah, no, what I will say is, go, what I'll say is the quality, the quality of the football Absolutely. But listen Quality, quality
1: is objective. Quality yeah, is an it. objective and, and listen, an objective what, metric. What, Trophies, what, wins, that's a subjective metric. is an objective <laughs> metric.
3: Now listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Imagine you've got you've got De Bruyne. <laughs> you've got De Bruyne and Henderson like tickling each other and playing like uh not that, playing um what's it called? Um what is it called man? Rock, paper, scissors together. And then the our version of that is Keen Vieira. Like, that's just, a, that's not the same, bro. That's Come not, you, on, guys, it's, you it's guys, not oranges, bro. I feel like you guys are arguing that
0: when we're not even arguing that. Like, we're going, no, no, you have that. Like, but you guys are going, no, but we have to have it and you <laughs> have to love it. And I'm like, no, I don't care about yeah, it. You do care, it. you do,
3: you do. It?
0: No. No, but, I don't, I don't, I don't. What,
3: what I will say is I went to the Etihad last season for City versus Liverpool, and I genuinely was sitting there, like, shit stadium, shit vibes, but, oh, my God, the football I'm watching, what the hell is this? Like, that was elite, that was like, the, the, the highest of the highest level of football. You know, like, I sensations. think the funniest
2: part is, like, you, you take it even from Liverpool players. So, I think there was an interview for both uh, Robertson and Trent when they were talking about the 1920 season when they won the Premier League for the first time. and um, They were saying that the moment we won Manchester United, we knew we could do it, not the moment mm. we won Manchester City. So mm. even it's the overcoming united part that made them believe in themselves. We're the standard I w- I man. Say... It's, it's normal, bro. We're the standard. No, Everyone wants like to beat us, Even bro. Liverpool play- players are admitting the main folk, not the main rivalry or the main like you know direct. Oh, if now nah, the rivalry
1: too as well. Yeah. The rivalry too as well. Yeah, it's like City are good,
2: but it's because it's when we won United that it mattered the most caught
0: co-
3: you. I think I feel you missed the context of that fixture.
0: Um, they weren't. Also, bo- they weren't bro, bothered about I, beating
3: I, your I, shit team, bro. They weren't bothered about beating your dusty United team. They were just. They just knew that they'd got you know the lead. No, it was like, crazy, don't, bruv, uh, bruv, what? Don't do that, bro. Like for the longest time, Liverpool <laughs> would have been slapping <laughs> you man up, bro. It's, it's not scared. that. No, no, no.
2: That's not what I'm arguing at all. Yeah. Is what I'm arguing is that I don't think the gap was that small. I don't remember the gap being that small because Liverpool was so far ahead of everyone else, even City.
0: That was in December. December like 10th, I don't know the exact date. I think Liverpool were about 10 player, but City had two games in hand. City won both of the games in hand, it became four.
2: I I have to check this because I remember Liverpool being too far ahead to bother about like...
3: Listen, Listen. This, I can't lie. There's been a lot of times they've slapped you in recent months. I, I, no, I, I, I know 20
1: anyways, bro. COVID year. For me anyways, like all of that stuff is a blur anyways. How much can you really remember? How much can you really know, even count? The,
0: the craziest shit about this conversation is Arsenal United are first and third in the title race for the first time in God knows how long. The confidence in this conversation. I'm I'm loving it personally. No this is I'm telling to you, We're, we're top,
3: four, well. top four
1: contenders. Top four contenders. <laughs> <laughs> we're Listen, leading the us- race
3: for but. Us, as long as we guarantee top five, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. There you go, 100%. 100%. <laughs>
1: Liverpool, on the other hand, they should be title contenders, man. Yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool
3: Liverpool with the money. Yeah, Liverpool are, not, the, yeah. are not
1: on this
0: uh, agenda of conversation today. Um, yeah, they've, they've, they've been over-discussed on the pod, to be fair, and then mm. we get accused of things. So uh, yeah. I feel the team that we should talk about is the team that are currently second in light blue that most people have suddenly decided are not in this title race anymore because they lost this weekend. Um, City, Pep, Pep saying after the game, what was it he said? Uh, I'm bored of winning trophies, or like someone else needs to go win the Premier League. I think he was asked, "Does he want to win uh, the cups?" And he said, "Carabao, I don't care. Premier League, I don't care." I was like, "This
1: man, just like, I think there's a, uh, he's a bit fed up. He's a bit, nah, nah. He's trying to play mind games against the manager that literally worked under him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Zinchenko and Jesus, does he believe they're gonna be like, oh, they definitely don't care about it anymore, like, bro, they've worked under you, man. I These think that's the."
0: I think he's actually going for mind games on his team because Gundogan also has said the last two interviews that psychologically we're not quite there. Um, and Pep's players almost never come out and talk to the press in that sort of manner. I think he's actually going to his players like, you lot are going to... Uh, Abdul don't care about this right now. He's checking the points that man-new Liverpool game in that season. <laughs> he's like, F this conversation. I'm more about that rivalry. Um, he has to prove when Liverpool overcame Manchester United. Too. That was the day. Um City, I want to talk about Haaland, to be fair. Um,
1: go on, With the Every few minutes, man, i mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. It's very interesting. Now, nah, look, this is what I will say. Erling Haaland is one of the greatest finishers I've ever seen in my life. He's an unbelievable goal scorer, and I don't think he has made Manchester City worse. Like, he himself, coming to the City team, he has not been the reason they've gone back. I said at the start of the season, I thought both parties needed to adapt to each other. Haaland needed to adapt to the way City played, and City needed to adapt to the way Haaland played. Now, I think Howland is a goal scorer that wherever he goes, will score you freakishly amounts of goals, like more goals than games played at, at certain clubs that he's been at. However, I don't think City, with the way they've played in the last few seasons with this false nine system, and everyone is fluid, and like dragging players out of, out of spaces to open up spaces for someone else, like that's what's made City so great since Pep's been at the club. Now that you have a guy that you basically have to focus on in terms of he's the focal point, it's a bit like Chelsea when they signed Lukaku, right? Chelsea were at their very best when it was Werner, Havertz, Mason Mount, everyone kind of moving interchangingly. The minute you put a guy up front that's the focal point that doesn't really move that much, sits in the middle, waits for balls on, on a plate, the attack becomes a bit predictable. One-dimensional. One dimensional. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you have Haaland and you create two chances a game, and he scores both of them, it doesn't matter. But... In games where United, for me, had a defensive masterclass against Manchester City in terms of the way they locked off Rodri, in terms of the way they man-marked uh, De Bruyne, limited them to one shot on target. It was a masterclass. That's when you need the City of Old, who basically, no no real number nine, five number tens, yeah. all interchanging with each other. So in that sense, Haaland has has required them to tweak the system, and I don't think they've done it well enough. Yeah. And here's no. another thing too. Sorry, just to interrupt you again. Foden completely fell off a cliff. I think his development has stagnated. You look at Mares, who is no longer the same player he was a few seasons ago. And I'm a big Mares fan. He's not that same guy anymore. Great. Grealish, we talked about him, enable really to, to fit into the city system. I even look at Bernardo Silva, who last season, everyone was talking about Salah. I think Bernardo was up there in terms of best players in the league. He doesn't look a fraction of that player. The Bruyne since the World Cup, I don't think is at the same level he was in the first start of the season. So you have City's main guys. Cancelo, who I think I've actually cursed, What's not the like? I don't think there's anything to like about this guy anymore. All of Manchester City's players have completely felled off a cliff. And look, man, I- I've said it for a few weeks now. I think Arsenal are champions elect. And City, Oof. they they really got something to prove now.
2: Yeah, I said the same thing at the beginning of the season when, uh, again, when they bought like... When City and, and Liverpool bought Nunez and in, in Holland, I was like, the dynamics of their attacks are gonna change and this is the best time for a team to actually break that deadlock between the Oscar, the first two. Um, and like it came to fruition because I didn't think Liverpool were gonna improve their midfield and they haven't and they've gotten worse. And City is just having trouble, you know, formulating the perfect dynamics around Holland. Like, okay, he's as they were saying, he will continuously score because he's that deadly in front of front of goal but like it's the same issue we had with cristiano ronaldo do you want the goals but the team is not functioning well or do you want the team to function well with with the goals being distributed across the entire team you know so it's the same it's the same conundrum really so with 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 that specific match i felt like because they wanted to over like overload Manchester United's midfield or the the wide areas Walker was caught too high all the time and that created mm. a lot of space behind of him where or situations where it's only the two center backs on Rodri trying to stop off a transition and that killed them you know and and, and because the dynamics that they're trying to do is okay I have this guy in the center who is not really a, like a, a player that can drop into midfield overload the two double pivots and and connect with other players He's just going to be fixated in that position and try to move the two centre-backs and that's it. Then I have to have the, my full backs over-commit forward, which leaves gaps uh, in that central area where Rashford and Bruno Fernandes took full advantage of it all match.
0: One thing I, I feel the Haaland thing is an interesting topic because I think when he, he landed in the Premier League, the fixtures were nice. Um, the season was fresh. He was fresh and nobody was quite ready for this sort of like beastly number nine that plays for a City side that they're so used to playing where they're trying to follow players around. He just basically stood in the centre of the pitch and said, I'm going to score goals. I think that like shock value is what sort of trickled him along to as many goals as he's got. And I think he'll continue to score goals. But I think the problem comes when you play against teams like United, like Liverpool, maybe not this season, but actually we did see against Liverpool actually. Um, Shaw actually had probably one of his easiest games against arguably one of the best forwards in the league, apparently. So I think City struggled, they and they will continue to struggle, um, if you are so heavily li- reliant on a De Bruyne across to Haaland at some point in the game. And then when you look at their wide players, like Leah said, like Maris and Foden are not in form. Um, and, and it feels as though, for the first time in ages, Pep doesn't have a trump card. You know, like previously he'll go Gunnar go get me 10 goals. Bernardo, go get me 5 yeah. goals, 5 assists. Cancelo, go get me 6 or 7 assists. It feels like now they're actually going, Haaland, we need you to score ASAP. And that immediately that like collective fluidity that they had is now turning into like we've got to get the big man scoring um and yeah. that just makes them look
2: I think they I, I think in the Pep's thinking he thought that he would do what Aguero did because Aguero was a center forward like that but not but Aguero did a lot more than just being a center forward who knows how to make clever run- runs Agüero was involved in so much more and and that's not turning out to be what Haaland can do. Yeah sure, Haaland can probably get a, pa- a pass in the center of the pitch and flick it to someone else and make a run quickly so that they can pass it back to him. Mm. But other than that, if you become aggressive with Haaland as soon as he receives the ball, he can't do much with it because his control mm. and technical ability isn't that good really, you know.
0: Mm. Um we will come back to Haaland, potentially. Uh, is he, he has to go. It's his mum's birthday. But just before you go, uh, I, no, I don't know if I want to talk to you specifically about the Mudrick situation, because I feel like you're not the type of Arsenal fan who actually cares that much. Or do you care?
3: No, I'm more, I'm more confused than than don't care. Like I, I'm not the type of guy that is like, oh my God, like why are we spending 80 mil? Because guess what, guys? It's not my money. Um, as, if, if you've got the money, just put it down. <laughs> But I'm just confused about how out of nowhere it happened. Like, I went round to my cousin's for dinner that same evening and he couldn't even... He was like, oh, we signed that guy, Midra. I was like, who? I was like, bro he didn't... Like, Chelsea players didn't even have him on the radar. So I'm just confused about how there could be so much social media hype. There could be so much social media flirting between the player and the club. And then just out of nowhere, Chelsea could get on a plane and just go and do the deal with, like... And us just kind of standing there. But... I do, I do trust the Arsenal hierarchy, and I am very well aware that Edu and Arteta have a non-negotiable when it comes to um, the way they work. Is that they will not get into a bidding war with another club. They, they just don't engage, no matter how much they want the player. Um, apparently, that's one of their non-negotiables, and it's worked well so far, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it
0: money talks in places like Shakhtar in Ukraine So, regardless of how much Mudrick was tweeting about Arsenal and wearing slippers at Hilton Hotel that was apparently right around the corner from the Emirates um in the at the end of the day like once once Shakhtar go we're gonna take 100 mil for you we'll give you 10-12 mil you know for a fact Mudrick and his agent are going listen if I wear blue or red it don't make a difference to me
3: and listen Um and and listen the thing about Shakhtar is they have a long history of They've had a hit factory. Back in the day, they built their success off of getting loads of Brazilians in, building them up. They were doing really well in the UEFA Cup. And then they'd sell those Brazilians for big money to Russia, to Germany, to England.
2: I'll
0: never they've forget not the Fed
3: had... deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so they've they've not had a major move like that in a while where someone's come in and saying, we're going to drop 80, 90, 100 mil. So fair play to Shakhtar that in, in these uncertain times, if you're going to squeeze it out, Either way, Mudrik is getting the move of his life. Um, he's going up to a much higher level. He's going up to a much higher salary. So listen, that's how that's how football goes. You can't expect Shakhtar to do the right thing or do the gentlemanly thing. At the end of the day, money talks, and we're not the type of club. We've shown you guys that with the Suarez deal. We're not the type of club to we're stingy. We'll we'll drop one pound over the forty million, and then so if we're if we're gonna play like that. We have to expect other clubs to go, mm, do you know what? They're playing hard to get. We're going to make them regret that. So Sometimes mm.
2: Arsenal make me feel like they're, they have a GoFundMe website at the bank.
3: Like- listen, you don't understand. You don't understand. Arsenal fans have conversations with each other. Like, listen, get on Arsenal direct right now. Buy that new hoodie because listen we need all the money we can get to sign why do you think like, they put
1: out six bits of merch every <laughs> yeah, weeks, bro, so that's why bro.
3: honestly i'm not gonna lie i love arsenal i love all their merch that bomber jacket that they wore at the north london derby was uncalled for like you don't but need, you need to be you don't need to be I no, no no that's yeah, yeah. no, amazing i'm gonna copy it they're gonna take my money i'm, I'm yeah, already yeah, broke. but it's like, like why did you it. have to make that but, it's but, not but, chinese it's a, new year's like, like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're fully like they and one one of my friends actually tweeted that listen if Arsenal lose the North London derby, best believe they're going to drop a new kit 9 a.m. on Arsenal <laughs> <Upset> Direct. So, <laughs> listen, man, we we tr- we get it where we can.
0: Um, very quickly, uh, you do need to target someone else, I imagine, in January, because obviously, like you were sold on Mudrick. you wanted Mudrick for a reason. You needed mm-hmm. more depth. Uh, a few names that have been put out there are Rafael Leao. I don't see that happening in January. They don't. Have um, that don't that needs time.
3: About. That needs time. Yeah
0: and Wilf- Wilfred Zaha in the summer my boy Wilfred hates me um, <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that tweet
2: I think as a personality Wilfred Zaha and Arteta together won't work
3: oh yeah, it's chaos so man. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you I get it, like uh, moody and uh, you know, not yeah, wi- yeah. not willing to get someone to go fogging, unbelievable, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> <I get> it's <laughs> fogging <laughs> Um, could you then argue the same
0: case for Leandro Trossard? Because he just fell out with De Zerbi because he didn't get picked in the side. Apparently, he got on a flight straight to Belgium. Don't know if that's completely true, but that is what they've said. So
3: No, so I, d- I don't think just because you fall out with a manager that you've got a bad attitude. I just do take the point that I feel like the type of player that Zaha is, I reckon he's more likely to throw his hands up. Yeah. But I think he'd appreciate finally getting the move he was looking for. But for me... If I want a player... Hey, to... listen,
0: can I just say, I really hope he doesn't because he's going to come after me on Yeah, Twitter. yeah, no, listen, I'll link you guys
3: up. <laughs> <whole> but, um, <laughs> but but for me... Oh, sorry, I need to knock my laptop. But for me, Trossard seems like a humble enough figure in terms of the club that he's coming from to us to come in and understand that he has to work hard. He's not going to be a guaranteed starter, but someone that can genuinely provide real quality to us. Like, Trossard's been a great player, um, yeah. even in the Potter era, It's not that he's one of the beneficiaries of Deservey ball even though Deservey ball is killing it right now he's been a sense well, not a sensational but he's been a great player that's also forced his way into the belgian national team as well so um, for the, the profile of
1: trosart bro is, is what 28 29 years old nearing 30 okay okay no, no, no but this is this is where this is the difference he's going to want a, a last big contract he's going to want a four or five year contract basically give him that financial security and he's going to want to be at a big team. I see him I, going I see Spurs giving a 4-year contract yeah. 150,000 pounds he, a week. He'll be
3: he'll be happy with a 2-year contract with a, an extension of 12 months on the cards. He'll he'll be happy with that. Like and then after that he can go off to wherever he wants. But like this is Arsenal, top of the league. You never know, man. It's all about timing because like when Gary Cahill, Gary Cahill was in relegation Bolton, moved to Chelsea in January, mm. ended the season with a Champions League like, so it's all about timing So for me There's a very short window To get your success done And we'll definitely pay him More than what Brighton Are paying him So I don't think He's a greedy boy So I would be very happy With Trossard
2: You know it's funny All three of them Have a year and a half On their contract Liao yeah. Zaha I think
0: Wilfred's uh, out of contract This summer to be fair One twenty twenty four Oh, so I'm just gonna put it out there on Sky Sports when I was doing the transfer show, we were told he was out of contract in the summer. Really? Maybe has um, an option
1: to extend or something like that. Club option to maybe. To- maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: maybe. I do know. You are good to go, please. Uh, are you, un- unless you want to just keep talking and
3: delaying your mom's dinner. Don't don't blame me. No, no, not at all. But what what I would what I would finish on is that again, I want to reiterate that point that right now the tr- the signing that we need. We don't need a game-changing signing. We don't need someone to come in and ruffle up the feathers. We need someone to come in and join what we've been building and be happy to be part of a squad rather than someone that's demanding to be Mm -hmm. starting. Because our team's flying right now. And listen, with half the window left, Arsenal don't do business like that. We don't go in and just drop a premium price to get someone in now. Um, We take our time with things. And if we could get Trossard and if we could capitalise on... The bad vibes between him and Deserbi. I think we would have done a great bit of business, and I think he will—he will be a great addition to our squad for sure.
0: All right, thank you, Mikel Artas' assistant. You are good to leave now. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <He> is fucking <laughs> un-
0: <laughs> on this point of uh, Arsenal not wanting a potentially a player that's going to come in and ruffle the feathers. Surely Mudrick for eighty-five million would do exactly that, no?
1: That's the, that's the thing for me, right? Because yeah. Arsenal are in a weird position now. They have the youngest team in the league. And in those two positions, Martinelli and Saka, they have two players which I assume they believe will be their two long-term wingers for the next decade and high-end ones as well. So signing a player to... to you want backup for them, of course, but you also don't want a player that's just going to completely stun their development. Like, for example when uh, United went and signed Alexis Sanchez, like even though of course Alexis mm-hmm. didn't work out whatsoever, but even if Alexis had been really, really good, Martial, who was having a great season at that point, his his season basically ended the se- the, se- the second you brought in Alexis Sanchez. So mudrick yeah. I think was actually perfect in terms of his age, in terms of where he's at in his career. I think like that would have been good for him. Whereas now at Chelsea, he probably has to deliver right off the bat. But I I also hear that at that point, like, The fact that he's getting paid 150,000 pounds at Arsenal, uh, at Chelsea right now. If he had gone to Arsenal, 150,000 pounds a week would have made him the fourth highest earner at the club. That completely Mm. disrupts the dressing room, disrupts the wage structure, disrupts the unity that Arteta has spent the last 12 to 18 months building. So I kind of see two points to it, but I think Mudrick at Arsenal was the one man. I really think that would have been a great signing for them.
0: Yeah, Mm. it's it's weird because at this time of the season, they've they've, at, at the moment they've got the perfect transfer strategy. So far, players they're signing are fitting in perfectly. They're top of the league after 19 games, 19 games to go. You probably don't want to bring someone in. Bear in mind, they've still got Gabriel Jesus to come back, who I think is about five weeks away from being fully fit. Um, do you really want to bring someone in who's going to potentially upset the balance? You probably don't. So bringing in like a... Go on, done what are you going to
2: say? I was just going to say from the names that we have in our mind right now, it, none of them really fit it in, in the sense of like, are they going to upset the, the the apple cart or not? I think most of them would because most of them are star- starters where they are. Mm. And like they're actually delivering for their teams. Now, if mo- any of them, like, for example, Zaha, Trossard, Liao, Modric, whoever, whichever one of them Arsenal get, if they don't start or they're just coming to be a bench player in case Martin Larry gets injured, it's it's not a very good look. Like, especially, it depends on obviously how, how much they pay for any one of them. But like, it's, just, it's not something that I th- see any of them would do. They would want to start in front of Martinelli, not to back up Martinelli. Exactly. Unless mm. you're, tr-
1: like, Trussard is the only one mm. to your credit for that suggestion that yeah. would come to Arsenal and like, he would know his role. Yeah. Arsenal would know his role. Everyone would understand he's coming as a backup. But you look at City, right? You look at United in the, in the past when they're most successful teams. Like, competition breeds success. You have to sign best in class to up the levels. Otherwise, if Martinelli knows that he's a starter for the next three years, no pressure on him, his levels are going to start dropping. So in that, in that sense, I think Liverpool, you look at their decline in, in, in some sort, it's because club for me, has let a, a few of those guys perhaps get a, a little too uh, complacent. There is no competition for Jordan Henderson's position. So... I think, I think Arsenal, Mudrik for me would have been perfect because he provides the competition. There's that sense that he could end up being a top, top player, but also at the same time, he's probably not ready to completely just take Martinelli's position off of it.
2: I think also personality plays a role. So if the, if for example, you're starting um, at forwards, have the personality of like, they could drop off if they're not pushed, you know, then they need someone who's challenging them on, on the bench. But what kept, for example, in, 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 the, in the scenario of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, for example, I feel like, no, they were just competitive by nature. And they wanted to be the best, regardless of there's someone on the bench pushing them or not. And there's these two types of you know personalities I see in football where like, you need someone to push him because he needs that to, to up his game. And someone who's just self-motivated and, and, and he wants to be the best, regardless of who's on the team.
1: I look at last season of Liverpool, right? Luis Diaz coming in. You had that Mane, Jota, Sala front three, and they were great. They were scoring goals. But Luis Diaz coming in just upped the levels a little bit more. Mane perhaps wasn't the best in that first half of the season. Diaz kind of gave him that kick up the ass he needed. Of course, he ended up moving more centrally, and I think that unlocked another part of his game. But adding quality for me will always increase the levels, no matter how much competition you have. For me, that can never be a bad thing.
0: Mm, I think you're always like, especially with a team like Arsenal, they're proper tiptoeing the line. Like, every one little bad decision now, people will go, that's why you didn't win the league. And at the moment, they've made really good decisions up until this point, all the way through. But equally, they haven't, apart from Gabriel Jesus, they haven't actually had an injury. Um, I think Party missed two games at the start of the season. And they lost and one. I of them. Think, <laughs> and they lost one of them, yeah. Um, and I think, I want to say, Odegaard was out for one game, and then they've had Emil Smith-Rowe injured. Um, so... It's, it's dangerous because if Martinelli picks up an injury for eight weeks, their backup is potentially Smith-Rowe playing off the left side. It's a completely different dynamic, completely different style of player. Uh, or Fabio Vieira, who clearly Arteta doesn't fancy that much right now. Um, so they've got to really tiptoe the line of the next decision that they make. Uh, people at Arsenal fans are saying, just give Reese Nelson a chance. And I'm like, man, like, you know, like, it's like Liverpool, when Liverpool were chasing the title down and, they didn't catch City because Fabinho misses three three games and you have to play Oxlade-Chamberlain midfield. And you're like, Ox is a good footballer, but the drop down, the standard and the intensity level is completely different. Um, while I've got you both here as United fans, um, I'm just very interested on this because I don't know if you've listened to Stephen Bartlett's latest episode of Diary of a CEO, but he's got David Moyes on it. It's actually a very good listen, to be fair. Um, David Moyes talks about his time at United and how he got the, uh, the job. Uh, He said Fergie just called him and gave him the job without any consultation to anyone else, which is just nuts. Uh, I've absolutely just ruined the episode if you plan on listening to it, sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, But in that episode, David Moyes talks about culture at a football club. And he was basically saying that like uh, Fergie, I think Rio Ferdinand said that Fergie only ever had to go into the changing room like twice in an entire season because the players would themselves have the culture and the idea that they were going to win and win and win. Um, And he said when he went to United, he... Did, he couldn't have that like impact on the dressing room where players immediately thought he was the guy because the older players were sort of coming to the tail of their, co- uh, uh, tail of their careers, etc. etc. The question I wanted to ask is looking at this Arteta team and this Ten Hag team, I know you said about top four, top four, but if you're being, if you're being a little bit wild and thinking outside of the box, if United beat Arsenal, um, I can't remember off the top of my head what the points that yeah, would, would be. be six
1: points. Six,
0: yeah. it's, it's now six points. Momentum is a huge thing in football um and city are not at it liverpool are not at it. The, the main contenders of the last however many years are not at it if you were ever to chase the league down it's probably right now because you're chasing an arsenal side who haven't won it in god knows how long do you feel like the, either of these two teams have the genuine culture in the dressing room to go and win the league
1: look i i, I look at arsenal and truthfully i don't i Arsenal have a great team, and they're a great manager. And I, lo- I actually love watching Arsenal play. As a United fan, mm-hmm. I love watching them play. For me, they're the most entertaining team in the league. But I look at them, and they don't really have any, like, born winners. They don't have any guys who have really been here, done that. Like, I know Jesus and Chekhov have titles, but they were kind of bit part players at their previous club. And it's almost like, like you said, Nubay, everything is going perfectly for Arsenal this season. Every single step of the way, they have been perfect. No slip ups, of course, with the Jesus injury. But then again, everything's going so perfectly. And Ketty has come in, and there hasn't been a drop off whatsoever. United, if you ask me about culture, I look at Casemiro and Varane, and I, I think people severely underestimated how big their experience. And, like, Casemiro, for example, right? The guy is just a born winner, man. Like I think five v five in his backyard, he would do a knee slide after winning it. Like the guy <laughs> just loves to win. People had questions over what's his motivation when he comes to United? Is he too focused on money? Is this like one last paycheck? No, he's come in and he wants to win every single throw in, let alone every single game. Varane, it's the same way. Like this guy has won so many trophies in his career that for him, this it's just another title race for him, man. The, the Manchester Derby, it's like Granada away back in La Liga. So in terms of that, in terms of how long this team's been together, and I think Ten Hag as well, has kind of instilled this mentality in them that like we saw earlier in the season they lost six three. Like he completely lambasted them after the Brentford game. He had them running suicides and stuff like that. He's instilled like this this military a military mentality in them that not, a lot of these guys haven't won trophies. But under him, I feel confident that every single game that they play, they can win it. And I look at the Carabao mm. Cup, the Europa League, the FA Cup, the Premier League. Bro, every single game they go into, they look like real men. And you compare it to the last season, it's a complete one hundred and eighty.
2: Yeah, like if you compare it to last season specifically, like it's night and day, night and day. And like Lib was saying, like Casemiro for me was the biggest catalyst for all. I mean, even if we look at it, the intangible. Let's talked about it all, but like even looking at it in numbers, when Casemiro started being a regular player in the starting eleven, which was after the City match, the numbers completely went up, all of them defensively, offensively, everything. And even the shape of the team started becoming more compact. So like, sometimes we I did underestimate Casemiro myself. Like I admit that in the sense of, I underestimated his impact on the ball because I was like, I was more concerned of how we were so bad in the first phase. So I, I wanted someone like Frankie de Jong with the ball progression and the carrying of the ball and all of, all of that. But I was so shocked about Casemiro's ability on the ball because we haven't seen that much of it at Real Madrid, right? Because they had Cruz and they had Modric. So both of those guys did all the heavy lifting. But what I was actually also impressed, I knew he was going to improve us, but I was so impressed about is that off the ball, we became a totally different team because of Casemiro. Mm. Uh, it's, it because we were just saying it earlier before, like, we did not have a deep like, like a CDM for like since Carrick retired, and all of a sudden when you put that guy into the team and you see the drastic change, it's like, whoa! That what that yeah. was what we were missing for real, you know? Like it, it, it's a night and day change, and then like Les was saying, he restored back that. I had that feeling with United back in 2021. Like, I knew the team was missing some dynamics to the CDM role, blah, blah, blah. But I had that feeling of the togetherness. They'll fight for each other. They'll fight for every ball. They're like, like even up until the la- even last season, up until the West Ham game, when David De Gea saved that penalty from uh, from Mark Noble. And the way they all hugged each other, and like, the- like there was a-, a huge sense of togetherness there. But somewhere along the line, they lost it completely, and it felt like none of them cared about it. So... Those guys restored it, and I feel it's stronger now. And I think it's it's reached back the peak that it was on in, in, in the 2021 season. And now it's even taken a, a bit, even a bigger step because of someone like Casemiro, because of someone like mm. who got integrated into the team further. I don't, yeah.
0: I don't know how true this is, but there was a, a statement going around about Casemiro after the Brentford game. Apparently, he texted his agent and said, Tell them I'll fix it all. No. I don't know how true that is. There's all this. There's always this stuff in media. You know when like the narrative begins to build, yeah. like people really want Casemiro to be like the Iron Man of Manchester United. Like he is the Iron Man of Manchester yeah. United, like, the Man the of Avengers, Avengers, By the way, so <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> Tony Stark. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> um, okay, very quickly then. Um, if United beat Arsenal, genuinely, not even trying to take the piss. If United beat Arsenal. In one word, Abdul, do you think United are title contenders?
2: Uh, No, I'd still say
1: no. Wow. Liz? If they beat Palace before Arsenal, because it'd be very Man United the last few years to lose to Palace after beating City, if they can beat Palace and then go to the Emirates and beat Arsenal, with that momentum, they would be title challengers. However, I think if they lose to Arsenal, it's just... That would be 12 points at that point. I think it'd be too far for them. But I think if they beat them, yeah, why not? In a
0: way, it's weird. In a way, like you kind of want United to not win or lose against Arsenal. The, the lack of expectation is what's making the journey a lot smoother. Yeah, yeah. It becomes very <laughs> Actually, unsmooth. It,
2: I feel like they're both in the same situation where a key injury destroys the whole thing. You know, it's like if Arsenal lost Saka or lost Partey to an injury or lost one of those key figures of the starting 11 they're not the same team anymore. It's the same it's The same with us in the sense of like if we lost Casemiro, if we lost Christian Eriksen or if we lost Bruno Fernandes. It's like, I
0: think you, I think if United lost Rashford, the goals are dry. I was about to say, United, are not, United are not scoring goals Rashford, at yeah, all. Sure. Um, yeah, the one thing I would say, and Arsenal fans will definitely say this in return they will say when before gabriel jesus got injured a lot of people saying if he gets injured they're finished and he got injured and yes they got it right and we don't know how much extent of that is because things are just going perfectly or is it actually they could they would definitely sit here and argue it's because we are actually title contenders because we are because we've managed to put in a player who isn't at jesus's level and made it work and still won games you have to in a weird way say if at the end of the season they don't win the league we'll go ah maybe that was just things were going perfectly well. If they go and win the league, we'd probably go, that was part of the reason why they won the league. But That's I, what I'm th- saying,
1: no. bade, for example, a big one for me is how Val Weghorst at United manages to integrate. Because I think you talk oh, about yeah. like margins and stuff like that. United's attack is so lean and, and, and so thin at the moment. Valt Weghorst, if, if he truly is as successful as most of Ten Hag's signings are, and he can kind of provide more of a presence up front than we currently have, that could be the difference in United being title contenders and not, for me. That, that's, mm. a, that's a huge signing yeah. in my
2: opinion. Like, if he, if he ah. catch fire, then United have a good chance if Arsenal slips.
0: I love white Goss. Um, right, uh, before we leave you, uh, icebreaker as usual. Don't know if you've seen this Manchester City video, but the Man City players are all arguing about, can't remember which animals. <laughs> uh,
2: but- crocodile or, <laughs> or hippo.
0: Yeah, yeah, crocodile or hippo. And according to Google, a hippo would actually... Beat a crocodile in a fight, and I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Um, <laughs> but if you were to pick
1: a hippo or a rhino, who would you back in a scrap? E, hippo not... or a rhino? Yeah, rhino. Uh... rhino I think right. That big ass tusk, man. <laughs> it's got to be a rhino, bro. I feel like you, t- you know when <laughs> you talk about is... <laughs> you talk about like boxing matches, and you talk about like uh, the reach, and you have to respect the reach. I feel like that's the same thing with a rhino, bro. That big ass horn that they got, bro. Yeah, I would just say that You this, can't you bro. can't get near to it, bro. It's just headbutting you, bro. Exactly, bro. <laughs> I'm like an idiot right now, but yeah, that's <laughs> you guys can't you guys can't hear this, but bro, a rhino's got that reach, man. You gotta respect the reach.
0: Listen, someone someone definitely came to the pod to hear Leah say that big ass tusk man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, go on, Abdul. No, I'm going to say the
2: same thing for I think for a rhino it would be better because he would it would keep the hippo away from him because of the horn. There mm. you go,
0: man. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently, hippos are mad difficult to fight against. I can see that. I don't know why. I, but... I've
2: never imagined that because, like, I mean, when I was a little
1: kid, like, my parents would take me to the zoo. Hippos to me seemed so like cute. <laughs> like, I've never, I've <laughs> i think, never I think it's a bit like, like Deontay grossest. Wilder versus Tyson Fury. To be honest with you, you got Tyson Fury is is the hippo, like a little little chubby, but you know he's got good technique to him. And then you got Deontay Wilder, who's very unorthodox, but one swing one you got to respect the reach there you go man so but then again tyson fury kicked his ass three times in a row yeah so. yeah exactly and mm. also <laughs> when, when they were
0: talking about hippos and crocodiles i was like well crocodile every single day of the week and they will and, and google says that a hippo would smoke a crocodile on every day of the week i would so, assume
1: that i feel like all they have to do is step on them like they're yeah. a lot bigger
0: yeah but crocodiles are think, rapid think, and their
1: are biters i
2: think there is the the movement i think they're like hippo has more agile, not agility, but like more reach than the crocodile. The crocodile has yeah. only his mouth, and he's like he's gonna try to like you know take him. <laughs> <It's>, it feels <laughs> weird trying to do that, but it's just like you know. I think the
1: hippo has because of his size right reach. Six man, yeah.
0: Listen, forget putting football tactico and football analysts in your bias. It's time to put in a. The- animal specialists in our bios. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the detail of the conversation there was enthusiast. sensational. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, honestly, by the way, Abdul, when you said, my, when I was younger, my parents, I was absolutely ready for you to say, my parents had a hippo and a crocodile in the backyard, and I was ready to say, this Arab's rich, bro, baby. Oh, let's oh, go. No, <laughs> no, no, not that one. It's not
2: that um, one. That would have been I a wide childhood,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> I, we would have done a whole episode on uh, Abdul's ch- rich Arab childhood. Uh, but yeah that's, that's not the case he may still be rich i cannot confirm nor deny on his behalf uh, but he did not have a hippo. he didn't have a crocodile he's living in canada uh so the assumption for those south asians sat here in england he's rich uh for you guys listening thank you very much for listening to the pod follow the guys and follow the pod as usual the support is always appreciated make sure you follow us on socials as well and we'll see you next time